Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. Um, I've had a lot of time, clearly this week, to um, meditate upon the word. And um, <clears throat> the, um, the memory verse for this month has really been floating through my brain a whole lot. But then the other part was this passage, which is the perfect passage for when you're struggling. Um, sometimes wondering, what is this, would it be better to die at this moment? And um, so I, um, I'm very excited about where we're, we're going on this. We've been studying John um, now since March, and we have um, spent the last two weeks considering the um, servant leadership love of Christ that he revealed to his disciples in John 13 we're told at the very beginning that having loved his own who were in the world he loved them to the end and so he began to show that love to them through his acts of service and taking off that royal robe if you would <clears throat> and becoming the 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 door servant the who was going to wash their feet and um, and then last week, looking at the fact of um, that even when he knew they would betray him and when he knew that they would um, desert him, he still was going to love them to the very end. And so today we transition to John 14. <laughs> and what we're going to see is Jesus heightening that servant leadership and coming alongside them, knowing where they're at at this very moment. And, and now he's going to turn from physically serving them to actually now teaching them what he is going to be doing for them. Um, and so the rest of chapter 14 is in the upper room with them at the end of 14, going into 15, they leave and they, they begin their journey. And so that part of the, the, the conversation is a conversation along the road. But let's go ahead and read um, John 14, verses 1 to 11, which is the portion we're going to look at this morning. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. <clears throat> if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, and where I go, you know, in the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. And how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, 
but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Jesus begins by giving this tremendous promise. He's going to give other promises through the rest of the chapter, but he begins with this tremendous promise that's the very basis of the very foundation of the hope that we have. And that is that our salvation isn't just on the earth, but there is this eternal salvation. There is the eternal perspective. And that's right here is what we're, what we're talking about. And so as Jesus begins into this, he begins by sharing this invitation to them which we know from John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, that Jesus says to them, don't let your heart be troubled. We'll come back to that in a moment. But I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And so he's going to go. He's going to prepare a place for them. So note the invitation side of this. It's free. Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That as we see in John 3.16 and Romans 6.23, that Jesus is basically saying, look, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. It's not going to cost you anything. But there is going to be a cost. And that cost, we know, was to Christ himself. That's that part, again, of the servant leadership. Jesus loving his own to the very end, that he wants them to be with him, and it's going to cost something for us to be with him, and that is it's going to cost his very life. I've been meditating a lot on, and I might mention this again to the end, at the end, the deity of Christ in the emanation and I hate to use words like that because people worry about your orthodoxy and da 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 but no one really fully comprehends what the the triunity of God looks like in all of eternity in in how Jesus came from the Father. And I just meditating on that as far as what we're gonna see in a moment about this all happening before the foundation of the world in that God set his love on us in such a great way that when the Godhead chose to do what they're going to do, that it was with a love for us in mind. So this passage that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord was something then that he determined in eternity past and then brought to pass for us. And the beautiful consequence of this is, we usually use the term consequence negatively, but it's beautiful consequence here. As we read um, the very beginning, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. He's doing all this to ease the disciples' Um, hearts right now they're getting Jesus is getting ready to leave they're kind of 
befuddled and not not knowing what's going on. And he's just, you guys, chill out. Don't be troubled. And as he said in the, the end um, of the of the chapter, peace I leave with you, my peace I, I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. If you remember last week, we talked about why is it that um, that we tend to to betray the Lord or deny the Lord. And usually it's because, again, of fear. We're afraid of something. And so Jesus is saying, look, I, I'm, I'm giving you my peace. There, there's no reason for you to all to be troubled. I am going to prepare a place for you. That's what you need to focus on. And so Hebrews 2, I put that there just as a quick reminder that Satan's ploy is fear. And that his ploy is through the fear of death. And that, that as humans, we see death as the end. And it's not. As believers, we understand that Christ isn't just the giver of life. He is life. And when you know him, when you have accepted him as your savior, and you are living in him and abiding in him, the, the life that he is, not just that he gives, but that he is, lives through you. And the, the promises that we're going to see next week just will blow the socks off <clears throat> as we consider um, it as an expansion of, of what we're going to be looking at today. But this whole thing here about the invitation then is just is to, to let you know there is a reservation made for you in heaven. Where is it? In my father's house. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but what's very exciting about it is that in my father's house are many mansions or dwelling places. We'll get to that in a moment. But in the, the Jewish betrothal marriage um, picture, they um, the there would be the betrothal between the, the bridegroom and, and, and the bride, but they really wouldn't be married. Um, they would just be promised to one another. And then the bridegroom would go away and he would prepare a place for the bride in his father's <clears throat> um, mansions, um, in his dwelling place. So they would have their own place to dwell. Once he had prepared the place, so whether it was him having a job, whether it's actually building the home, um, whether it's actually building a room off of the, the father's room, when he was all done, he would go back to get the bride. And so we see that in some of the parables where the bridegroom cometh. And so Jesus is basically telling us he's going back to the father's house and he's preparing a place for us. Now, what's really exciting is that we're told that in this father's house, there are many, what we read, mansions, but literally it's the word Monet. It's only used twice in the New Testament, verse 2, and then also in verse 23, which we see here, it says, Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our Monet, 
with him. Literally, the word Monet is um, a place of permanent dwelling or a permanent remaining. And so if you remember, we've talked um, different times about the word hupomene, um, which is the word to um, endure. It's hupo is to come under and uh, mone is to dwell. And so hupomone is to dwell under. And so the idea is to um, to dwell permanently, no more wandering, no more living in tents, if you would, from the perspective of Israel, okay, um, going through the wilderness, the picture there, but also then for us going through the wilderness of this life, um, living in these tents that once I come out of this tent, this mortal will put on immortality and this, this corruptible put on incorruption. I will go from a temporary to a permanent home. What I think is my permanent is not my permanent. This is just a temporary walking place. And I'm going to go and I'm going to be in the place of permanence. It's just a beautiful picture. But there are many of these places as well. So it's not just for me, but there's lots of us that are going to go. And so, again, I'm mindful of the fact that Jesus didn't die just for my sins only. But we're told First John chapter 2 that he is a propitiation for the sins of the whole world. And so, as we saw in John 3.16, that invitation is out there for everybody. And if they would only believe, then they would be they would be signed up in heaven. And so we have this preparation side of it, which is exciting as well. And the the word um hedomatso is used multiple times throughout the New Testament. But I have some passages I want to share regarding Jesus's preparation, the Godhead's preparation for that final moment because it's it's huge. Matthew 25, verses 31 to 34, <clears throat> and then 41, we read, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory, and the nations will gather before him, and he will separate them from one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, and here at the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then he will also say to those on his left hand, <clears throat> depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Note that, again, as we mentioned earlier, Jesus states that this inheritance is something that's been prepared for us from the foundation of the world. That when Jesus came to the earth, or sorry, when Jesus created the heavens and the earth, way back in, before Genesis 1-1, they already, the God had already had established how salvation would be and that we would be living in the Father's house. <clears throat> but he also had established the negative side. 
for those who reject, for those who refuse, there's a, if you would, an inverted um, ticket. And for those who don't receive Christ as their Savior and receive that gift of salvation, then then they receive um, the condemnation that is also prepared for the devils and his angels. First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine, again, then shares, um, but is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And I just, again, as I think about where I'm heading in, we try to picture heaven as the streets of gold and, and revelation talks about that. Um, but I think that it's, if, if you can imagine it, then it's way beyond it. I don't think we can co- fully comprehend what heaven is going to be, be like in, um, <clears throat> people always want to know what is it like and what is it? I think we, we sell it so, so short worrying about, um, who we're going to see, what what dog or what cat might be there. Um, we are so self-focused in our in our view um, by, by, by considering this. And I just think that according to God's word, that what he has prepared for us is so far beyond what we can fully comprehend. I appreciated um, Chuck's messages on heaven last fall, giving us such great detail on it. And the reality is that what God has for us is so much even more than what he has even revealed to us in his word. Um, Yeah, it's just amazing. First Peter 1, 3 and 4, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. And so the final part of this preparation to me is so exciting. This word reserved, <clears throat> you can see I put it up there is the word terao. And it literally means to guard your inheritance, your reservation in heaven is being guarded. How cool is that? You can't lose it. It can't be taken from you. It can't be snatched from you. It can't be stolen from you. I meant to bring over my my master's tickets from 2020. I have them over on my dresser. And um, just to show you, I got my master's tickets from 2020. But they were snatched from me. I saw the tickets, but I didn't get to go. It doesn't happen with God. You got a ticket to go to heaven if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. And it is guarded in heaven for you. How cool is that? Now the really exciting part. Okay. This is going to sound maybe like not, but this is something that just, it just, as I was meditating on this this week, this became so exciting to me. Jesus says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. You say, okay, I got that. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will what? I will come again and receive you to myself. The royal escort is Christ himself. I will come again and receive Paralambano, take alongside. I will receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. I don't have to worry about how do I get there? Because he's going to come and he's going to take me and he's going to be the one who guides me there. Well, then we have the, um, the intercourse that goes on. Jesus then turns around and says, um, he says, and where I go, you know, in the way, you know, so you know the way. And so the, the word know there is the word Edo. And I put that out because this is important as we're going to uh, look in the next phase. Um, but Edo is the, the, the word Oida Edo that is factual knowledge. And so he said, look, you factually know the way. So he's telling the guys, I'm going to come get you, but you factually know the way. And then he says, then Thomas says, and he says, but Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? And so he said, turns around and says, I am the way, the truth. I'm life. No one comes to the father except through me. I just almost could see Jesus being a little bit like, I don't want to say incredulous, but maybe so looking at Thomas, like, come on guys, you got to get this part. This is, this is easy. I mean, you got to know the way I'm the way. And then he says, no one comes to the father except through me. He's the only way. And so we use it evangelistically, which is very important, but it's also for us to remember as well, because he's talking to his disciples. This is something for them to remember. Our full confidence is in Christ alone. And that's got to be our focus at all the time that I got to be fully focused in Christ. Now, this goes into our transition now from the that reservation promise to the triunity of God. And I don't know how else to do this other than just to transition to it. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because we've spent a lot of time on this. But Jesus gets into this, uh, makes this transition. Um, and I think, and again, he's with his disciples by themselves now. And he's bringing this thing up again because, again, they're showing the same um, ignorance, if you would, um, that the Jews were, were, were exhibiting. And so he continues on in, um, saying then to Thomas, he says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And so now we have a different no. This is the word gnosko. This is the intimate relational knowledge. This is the um, oida, again, we're going to see in just a moment, is visual knowledge. Um, 
factual knowledge. You, you gain it through your senses. Gnosko, similarly, but now it's more intimate. You, it's growing knowledge. Um, you know it more intimately. And so the idea is that the disciples should have had Gnosko of Jesus, not just Edo of Jesus, that they've been around him and that they should be growing in this knowledge, understanding more and more who he is. And so he says to Thomas, he says, Lord, look, Thomas, if you had gnoscoed me, you would gnosco my father also. But here's the exciting part. From now on, you gnosco him and have seen him. And so, again, the word orao, to look on, to experience then visually. And so you know intimately the father. You've hung out with the father. You've seen the father at work. You've seen the father in the interactions. I can only imagine what it been like to be one of the disciples hanging out beside the fire with Jesus. Cooking the cooking the fish, eating, the conversations that they must have had. Uh, we only have a portion in 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 the word of what all happened, but they the conversations that they had to have gone on to know how the father would have interacted in all these different um, venues. And so he says, from now on, you know him and have seen him. Well, then he comes on. Philip says, Lord, show us the father and it is sufficient for us. He just said, you've seen him. Philip, have I been with you so long and yet you have not gnoscoed me? He who has seen me has seen the father. And I put the hyphen there because I almost feel like that could be turned around if you wanted to. He who has seen the father has seen me. But we say no one has what? Seen the father at any time. And so we can't see God, right? And so he came to the earth in order for us to be able to see him visually. This is a mind-boggling thing for us. For I, I know, again, triunity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Son. And yet the three are one. There, there is, we, in our brains, <clears throat> we either want to think of them as one and talk about it as one. Or we want to think of them as three. And talk of them as three. But when you talk of them as three, then really you become um, with three gods. You got this God, Father, the Father God, you got the Son God, and you got the Spirit God. And yet they're one in, in they're they're together. And that's what Jesus is telling Philip right now. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then he comes back. And he gives the challenge 
sadly, that he gave to the Jews who were wanting to stone him. Look, if you can't believe me because of my words, then believe me because of the works that you've seen. Back in John 10, we saw Jesus state to the Jews, I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works I have shown you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered and said, for good work, we do not stone you, but for blaspheme, because you being a man, make yourself God. Continue down to verse 37. If I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the father is in me and I in him. The concept of the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit being one and yet being manifested in three is beyond our comprehension. And yet Jesus said, believe it because it's true. Even if you cannot comprehend it, know factually based upon the evidence that he presented. And we saw all the, the healings and the, 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 his power and authority over nature and over all diseases to the um, raising up of Lazarus, that he had um, power and authority over death itself, that based upon those things, you ought to believe. So in the end, I go back to the question that we had many times in the beginning of this. Who is Jesus to you? Is he the fullness of the Godhead bodily? Have you committed your life to him? This is huge to me. I I don't want it to be that anybody that I've ever had a chance to talk to or minister to said, I never understood. I never knew that I needed to commit my life to Christ. You need to commit your life to Christ. You need to to accept him as your Lord and Savior and, um, and let him change your life. Are you trusting him alone for your salvation? And what is your demeanor as you consider the future? Is your heart anxious? You got a reservation. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've accepted him, and if you've committed your life to him, you have a reservation. That's where your hope and your confidence is. It's in Christ alone. It's not in your ability to do anything. It's not in this world. This world is just going to be get worse and worse and worse. <laughs> but my ticket in heaven, it's not going away. God has a reservation made for me that is going to be kept until he's... Re- until he's ready for me. And when he's got my room ready, 
he's going to come back and he's going to take me to be with him. Earlier part of the week, you know, it's one of those moments where you're like, well, Lord. And, but I knew right off the bat, the Lord was, it's not my time. And, but my time's going to come one day and it's okay. I know that he's coming back and he's going to take me. And if I'm here until he returns, then guess what? That means he's got a lot of rooms ready all at one time and he's coming back to take us all to be with him. Is there then a need to change the way you think and ultimately then change the way think and then change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love to us. Thank you for your goodness to us. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to to magnify you in all things. Help us to truly have confidence um, in your words and in your teaching that you really do um, love us this much, that you really are preparing um, a place for each of us in your Father's house. Lord, we may not know what they look like, but it doesn't matter because what you are preparing is so far better than what we could even imagine anyway. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't fear death. Lord, that we wouldn't fear um, even disease. But Lord, our confidence would be in you, in you alone, because you have defeated he who has authority over death. Satan has no power over us. And I give you the glory for that, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be bold in our witness to this world that needs to know you, that needs to have the confidence as well in knowing that there is a Lord and Savior and that where they can go for all of eternity. Be glorified, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.